0: Hey guys, um, I'm late on the episode, it's starting to get harder and harder to uh, do these podcasts with life and everything, Eli's not here, I'm actually uh, at work right now, but all I'll be doing is talking and I won't be continuing from Zachariah, I want to take a break from Zachariah. Zacharias, uh, with where we're going with Zachariah is going into that. I have met Judah as a bow, Ephraim as arrow. I will stir up your sons O Zion against your sons O Greece. Uh, there's a lot of that language of revelation. I've already spoken on it and <clears throat> we've been given some more information. So I want to talk about Paul. Uh, I won't be quoting wo- word for word per se from Paul, uh, if you are a uh, consistent listener, then hopefully you will have the uh, vibe that this podcast is more of an intermediary Bible study because I don't I don't like the numbers in the Bible. I feel like if you haven't read the Bible, then of course you probably wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But these this is for those that have read the Bible at least once, and even if you've only read the Bible and it was Way in the past, uh, what we're doing is we're getting a refresher. We know, Revelation says, that on the seventh blast, uh, everything that God said would happen through the prophets would happen. Uh, That is in Revelations. That's just a paraphrase of that verse. So what we've done is started all the way from the prophets and then through the minor prophets and we're on Zechariah, so I haven't pulled Daniel yet. We got plenty of information about Constantine, the universal church and the commandments, the false covenant on seven hills, linking that to Edom and Catholicism. We got plenty of information about Shiloh, uh, shepherd of lost tribe of the half tribe of Ephraim through Joseph. Uh, we got the Assyrian uh, Asher, the Antichrist, who the ships from Kittim will attack, and then he pays attention to those who forsake the covenant, who would be those who partake in the covenant given to Edom, uh, which will be through these signs and visions that Constantine the Great had had. Um, but with Paul, a lot of Paul, people say pe- uh, that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Some people say he did not I feel like he did based off of how Paul adapted to his congregation is how he would speak. But whether or not he wrote Hebrews, that's not something I really need to pull up to bring an argument to the table. Uh, We could take the letter to the Romans and we could read it as a letter and maybe even go as far as renaming it from "Letter to the Romans" to "Letter to the Catholics," because it's the same, same people, same group, and it was wrote after the crucifixion, after the sacrifice, and all that. So there's still authority in that, despite what that the Catholicism doctrine teaches about this—the uh, key, the key being given to the Pope or whatever they teach. Um, With Paul, he did adapt to his congregations and he uh, recites, he quotes a verse from the Song of Moses in um, Deuteronomy, it's the latter chapters of Deuteronomy, roughly after chapter 28, Uh, it's actually like two chapters, one introduces the context of this song why you will, why people will sing it and then you've got the song as well and paul he elaborates a little bit more into the song of moses saying that the gentiles were supposed to be used to make the jews jealous and christianity and catholicism come in line with this and they say well yes we are but with this infraction given by Constantine the Great, and even Paul saying that I have prepared you as virgins in unity to marriage of the Messiah. So you still got this whole relationship language, uh, virgin, widow, bride, wife, whore. So it's, it's still this relationship language and we've been told by Paul we're prepared as virgins. So when you think about well, what is a virgin in a relationship, they don't do anything. They don't They don't go after any God. It's still a belief. And if we were to look at even the gospel, does it say anywhere in the New Testament? This is where Muslims, they would uh, cherry pick scripture and they say, y'all worship Jesus. He never says to worship him. And I couldn't agree more. It doesn't say to worship Jesus because when you are the Messiah, whatever you want to call him, because you do have that first commandment, have no other gods before me. And then you ask, well, how would you worship him? What holidays are there that could be used to worship the Messiah that are not pagan? And you're only told really one thing and that's to do this in remembrance of me and that wouldn't really be considered a holiday. I don't think it's, unless you're just like gathering for a meal, which then, yeah, I mean, my Thanksgiving is kind of like that. So Paul He says he prepared the Gentiles as virgins, and a lot of people want to throw out Paul's letters. Uh, Paul, he was a Pharisee from the tribe of Benjamin who happened to have Roman citizenship, and he is even uh, quoting some uh, pagan literature in some of his letters, and some people want to throw out his letters because of that. But because of their perception, their... I feel like they think Paul is a pagan, but Paul, as I said, he adapted to his audience. um, And he actually did a very good job of doing so. Uh, Let's see, a lot of Paul's letters, uh, Peter warns against saying that the ignorant would twist them. That's uh, Peter's second letter, chapter three, that says that and when you look over paul's letters a lot of churches have used paul's letters to condemn non-believers and you know if you're going to use consistency and read all the paul's letters which is a lot paul did write majority of the what's called the new testament so if you were to just gather consistent statements by paul first off first corinthians he says he does not judge non-believers so everything he's saying he is saying about believers it says lawless, lawlessness will be everywhere. Lawlessness will abound. Do believers follow the law? No, they say it's for the Jews. Okay, that's kind of, that's kind of a weird, weird little statement to make. It's like would an American go to China and say, you got to follow these laws. And the Chinese man or Chinese Mormon says, you're in China. We don't believe in those laws. Those are American laws. That's almost like a a believer judging an atheist. Then the Chinese person says, well, you don't follow this law. And the American says, oh, those are for the Native Americans. It, It doesn't make no sense. And I know that that is a scenario that we are in today. And I don't necessarily, I don't know all the, uh, laws of Native Americans for their reserves. I don't know them all, but there is still this segregation of laws to where you can't really call this a United States. But that whole argument about a citizen going to another country and saying they're not, that country citizen is not following my laws is a believer judging a non-believer, which is what Paul says not to do. So everything you, you read about Paul saying, he's saying about believers. In those days, they'll follow myths. Do they follow myths? There are a lot of Christian myths. And a lot of these Christian myths are not, they're, they are myths. Uh, Paul does say that. Is it true? Yes, it's true. Uh, we're looking at the second seal, uh, Shiloh being given a great sword, word God given by the Holy Spirit, linking that to Revelation chapter 10, the angel with, the mighty, uh, with a rainbow on his forehead it's a mighty angel with seven thunders on a scroll. I'm looking at that as the covenant of Ararat given to Noah who the Antichrist or Asher later takes away the burnt offering for, uh, from. So that, that commandments of Noah, the covenant of Noah, if you were to put yourself in Noah's shoes, religion wasn't there yet. So he just got off the boat with the sons, Shem, Ham, Feth, and his wives and all that, and all these animals, but there was no idols, there was no holidays, Like they, he, they just got off this boat. So there was no religion. So I feel like the embodiment of actually following these commandments is not doing anything. Like acknowledging the existence of the deity, but not doing anything deity related, nothing religious uh, religious related because you are prepared as virgins. So there's still consistency in what I'm seeing there. But Paul talks about that sound doctrine. That sound doctrine will be waiting. And he says, believers, he, remember he said, don't judge non-believers. He said, believers won't listen to sound doctrine. They won't wait for the Messiah. They'll just go to t- whoever will tell them what they want to hear. And what we are, what I'm picking up with is everything Constantine the Great brought in. Worship in the first beast. That would be Christmas. Uh, Image of the beast, and he gave it a breath of life so it can speak. And that was the cross of Tammuz, another Babylonian deity. And what it said was, in this sign, conquer. He had a power to kill all those that would not worship the image of the beast. And that was by putting the Chiro, which is another Babylonian thing. Uh, on all of his military's equipment, and he won every battle. And let's see, so that's false worship, graven image, and the false mark of authority, the mark of the beast. It will be going all the way back to sun worship, the mark of the sun, Sunday, and it's still tying that into what Isaiah 14 says about this king of Babylon, where the cedars of Lebanon and cypresses will rejoice, saying, since you were laid low, the woodcutter's axe no longer comes up against us, and they star, son of the dawn, how you have fallen, saying, oh, you said you were a son of God. Well, you fell, so you ain't much of a God. So there's still that mark of false authority linking it to the first beast. But with the two horns and his name equaling 666 uh, through Constanus Augustus Rex, this Asher individual. Paul speaks a little bit about this Asher individual, and he also mentions... Uh, the Great Rebellion, he says this Asher individual. He just says he won't show up until after the Great Rebellion. So with him not being on the same scene, the only thing I can link this Great Rebellion being is dealing with Shiloh because he would be the next thing to happen in accordance to this seven sealed scroll. And where Constantine the Great was the first scroll, uh, white rider who had a bow. Isaiah chapter one tells you, I will wash your sins, although they are red as scarlet. I'll wash them white as uh, wool. So Isaiah chapter one tells you the difference between red and white. And he's white because he has the bow. And that's where Zachariah is picking up with um, with the uh, the living creature. The living creatures still looking at the living creatures as uh, what would I would just simply call star dates. Uh, lion, bull, face of man, eagle in flight. We got the lion uh, during the star dates of the lion. Constantine Great, he had the bow. He inherited his father's crown when his father died during the star dates of Leo, the lion. Uh, then the next one would be somewhere in Taurus, followed by face of man, Sagittarius, and the eagle in flight, which would be Scorpio an old Native American zodiac sign. And the reason why I'm sticking to Sagittarius instead of Aquarius is because Leo, Taurus, Sagittarius, and Scorpio are all equinoxes. So I'm still seeing consistency there too. So I'm still going to cling to that. But I wanted to talk about Paula a little bit about, you know, some people do twist Paul, Some people want to throw them out. Some people want to take advantage. And for the taking advantage, Simply rename letter to the Romans to letter to the Catholics and that would solve that problem or at least it should. And with believers judging non-believers, can't do that. That's a big no-no and in all honesty, you're just it's going to end up biting your ass. Um, but there's still this virgin language, this this waiting uh, language. Um, but I did want to talk about Paul a little bit. Uh I do I don't know if I want to do an actual deep uh deep episode of Paul but Paul when you read Paul's letters look for consistency if you dig too deep eventually you'll be left with nothing just as if we dig too deep with the Torah of Moses then you'll be left believing that you'd have to kill King David and that the Messiah is not the Messiah because King David he Let's see, stole bread, he abhorred Edomites, those are two mitzvahs, and then a lot of Jews say that the Messiah isn't the Messiah because the original word said it has to be through the male seed only. Paul says, do not argue about genetics. If that is the reach that they're going to make, then you just gotta leave it alone. Honestly, it's too much of a headache to deal with. I've joined several religious debate groups, not necessarily Uh, giving input but just watching and seeing people just seeing what they say I'm learning a little bit about different uh, I don't want to call it Abrahamic religions because that's an oxymoron but religions uh, I'm learning more about the Quran I'm learning more about I was raised a Christian I'm learning more about what the Jews believe and they say that there is supposed to be a high priest and a king on the throne forever. So two individuals on the throne forever. So that's something that somebody has said to me. I haven't backed that up yet. It's something I want to study into. Um, but that's it. I want to keep this episode short. Apologize for being late. Um, hopefully I can get back into Zachariah. There ain't that much left. I think we left in chapter 9. Uh, there are a lot of nations in Zechariah. I made a list of all nations that don't um, recognize Israel as a state. I right, had a pause in the recording. Um, but where I'm at with it, still seeing consistency and everything. Um, but I do have a few questions, and I'm hoping that Daniel could uh, shed some more light on it. And looking at uh, with Shiloh, <laughs> looking at the Jewish commentary, I feel... Like when you look at the Jewish commentary on some of these things, you have to test what they say too. With Shiloh, uh, they say Shiloh is the name of the Messiah or something like that. It's, it's a very half-assed explanation. <clears throat> but when you try to understand uh, these titles or these names, usually it's a person in the genealogy or it's a place, or also the meaning and way Hebrew is. I really want to learn Hebrew is very interesting to me. Uh, Shiloh can have more than one meaning depending on how it's used, depending on what the context of the sentence is. If it's, is it talking about an individual? Is it talking about a place? What is it talking about? And that's that can be said for a lot of these, uh, the, the vocabulary that's used, um, in these, uh, poems, I guess, these prophecies or whatever. So when you look at these latter day blessings and you see this exchange of authority, the uh, next ruler, next Torah giver will not depart from Judah's feet until Shiloh comes and to him, the obedience of the people will be given. And this vine language, the choice vine. If you're familiar with the gospel, the Messiah is a choice vine. If you're familiar with the Tanakh, Shiloh is in Ephraim. If you're familiar with history, history uh, says that there are lost tribes. Ephraim and Manasseh are one of those, are two of those lost tribes. There are ten of them. So automatically, Shiloh would happen to be a lost tribe individual. Shiloh, however, depending on how it's used in Hebrew, it means either peaceful one or peaceful place. And we're also linking that individual to Spirit of Elijah, who was uh, he he could be seen as an asshole by some people. Uh, you think he made fun of other religions. He sicked a bear on some kids. He he, he, he could be seen as an asshole by the reader. Um, but with this whole Shiloh thing, further reading into that and taking over the context that the new Testament teaches about his teeth will be white with milk. If we know that milk is for those who are ignorant in the teachings of righteousness and solid food is a reward. If teeth, if the teeth are white with milk is not necessarily saying he's an infant, but it's not, it's not saying he's mature enough for the solid teaching. So teeth white with milk, that would mean more so like a toddler or being weaned off. So, That's weaning, ignorant to the teachings of righteousness, but being weaned off, is how I see that. So, Shiloh, latter day Torah giver, peaceful one, set apart from his brothers, who apparently labeled as a shepherd on the blessing on the head of Joseph and a stone of Israel and a prince. And what else? Uh, Micah chapter 5 brings more into that with uh, after the individual born from Bethlehem. He will not give them up until she who is in labor. And that individual that is in labor is actually a covenant of the lost tribes, Revelation chapter 12, um, who is about to be devoured by the dragon with seven heads. Now, Revelation, if you further read in the Revelation, getting past the uh, scroll and the trumpets, you're given a lot of detail about the current events of things. You're told that the sixth head is now, and this is where I'm leaning more towards that would be emperor domination. I don't know if I said that right, but that sixth head that is now would be the emperor of Rome at the time of the writing of Revelation, hence the word now. And you're told that seventh one is not, but he'll be a little while. That first seal would be that seventh head getting the crown. And that vision of the dragon with seven heads about to devour that male child being born, given a rod of iron, which is a reward to the church of Thyatira. Is being seen. It would seem to say devoured by Constantine the Great, but that—that's obviously not the case. That would be more the kingdom or the practitioners of Constantine's uh, covenant would be the ones to devour Shiloh, which then goes back into where Paul pulls from the Torah of Moses and says, "Hey, he's going to make the Jews jealous with nation of fools." Virgins, Gentiles. So it's not necessarily called the Gentiles fools. It's just this uh, God can't deny him in a full sense. heart. There is no God. So if there is a God, you had to find out how he'd work and he will not be able to deny himself. And that goes hand in hand with the uh, denying himself of the knowledge of the first seal. Um, But with... With Zechariah, there are more nations. More nations. I'm not going to go to those yet. I got to go back to the prophets for those. I have to go back to the prophets for Isaiah chapter 63. I want to compare that chapter to the wine press chapter of Revelations because Edom is mentioned and we're linking Edom to Rome and Constantine the Great is the plug for that. Um, I don't want to make any promises about when I'm going to be doing an episode again. Maybe one, two, three weeks. Hopefully not that long. Uh, It's getting to be a lot of information that I have to go back and reorganize. uh, As I see it telling a story, kind of. But And also I'm seeing it being a reflection of everything that happened in the New Testament. Because you have a... I think it's Isaiah 63 as well says, I have a sacrifice prepared in Basra. So I really need time. I need a, I need a break, honestly. I need a break from this stuff. But <clears throat> that's going to be it for this episode. Might be getting back next weekend. Don't want to make any promises. Later.